It's as simple as that, right? Most people will say yes to an invitation to church. That's been proven in research. And that was a great video in terms of kind of unpacking it all. And uh, We have Christmas Eve coming up. And it's going to be on Sunday morning, our 9 and 11 o'clock services. And I really would love to have you pray and think about who you might invite out. Now, this is what I call an easy ask because still in our culture, people kind of have that feeling they have to go to church on Christmas and you can help them with that task that needs to be done. It's usually like a one-shot deal. You know, like you say, come out to my church in the middle of March. and uh, <laughs> It's just not as comfortable as Christmas Eve. Then on top of that, uh, you've got uh, opportunities to invite people out. So you invite them out to Christmas Eve. They might say no, but at least you've started that process of inviting them. So let's be praying for each other. That we really want to get the good news of Jesus Christ out. And the way that, do, the way that happens is through an invitation. Well, we are talking about the wise men. Oh, no, no, not the wise men. The shepherds today. But I do want to talk about the wise men. The wise men truth initiative. I am the founder. The facts. The wise men were not at the nativity scene. They arrived two years later in Nazareth. The call to action is take the wise men out of nativity scenes. Now, I want to know who has converted to the Wise Men Truth Initiative this year. Oh, you did? Okay. Tell us your story. How long have you attended Springbrook? About ten years now. Ten years, okay. Did you hear my other messages? Yes. Okay. What was special about this year? The wise men are in a different part of the house. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> I am so happy. If you could take a picture, send it to me. That really warms my heart. Any other converts to this very important area? Somebody. Come on, somebody. And I know there's a lot of you out there who have them in the nativity. And I know you're feeling the guilt right now. Let's just respond to God, you know. <laughs> you know, when we want to get this news out, we want to change everybody's nativity scenes. A great time is at parties this week. And it will create really a conversation about what you do with the miles. And well, you know, they weren't there. Now let's look at this video. And Pastor Matt will show us how it's done. Way to go, Matt. Now, last week, yeah, last week we talked about these wise men, and you know whose they are, Richard and Carolyn Woolard's wise men. And sometimes when people don't break, you have to publicly shame them. 
So what I did is I went over to the church here and put some poster board together and made this huge sign that I taped to his garage door. The wise men arrived two years later. I was looking for one of those big black markers, but I couldn't find one. So, well, you know, it gets the point across. And at the bottom there, uh, I put our wise men. I put our wise men there in order to encourage Rich and Carolyn uh, to see uh, the light. Uh, my wife said, they're going to be stolen. I don't know who's going to steal those wise men. <laughs> Well, let's look at the story of how the shepherds responded to Jesus. Luke 2.7 And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Now, we'll talk about that more on Christmas Eve. And just to let you know, that my Christmas Eve message will be very, very sensitive to people who don't know the Lord. And uh, so it will be a great opportunity to introduce them to the gospel. Uh, Luke 2, 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So again, if you were God, how would you announce the arrival of of this God-man, Jesus Christ, who is going to save the world. You think he would have gone to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, scribes, or maybe to the political leaders, the Sanhedrin. But no, he didn't go anywhere. He went to the shepherds. And what's really fascinating about the shepherds is that was, that was one of the lowest jobs you could have on the social ladder. I mean, anybody could be a shepherd. Anybody could carry out this job. That's why David was doing it. Right? He was a shepherd boy, and they were making fun of him. Oh, why don't you go back to your sheep, that type of thing. You think about Abraham was a shepherd, and Moses was a shepherd. But still, in Jesus' day, it was really looked down upon. Especially because... The shepherds didn't have the best reputation. They didn't. What was the problem? Well, they were known as thieves. Okay. So whenever the shepherds would come in, you kind of check your pockets, right? Everything's secure. <laughs> or they stole other people's sheep. And on top of that, they lied. They were known liars. In fact, they could not be in a court case. They, they could not give witness to what happened because of their reputation as liars. Oh, those are the people you want to go to to tell about Jesus Christ. People who have no credibility whatsoever. <laughs> God always turns things upside down, doesn't He? He came to the shepherds who were sinners, and I was trying to think, okay, you got your average shepherd here, and he's got his sheep. And it was tough work out there 24 hours a day sleeping with the sheep. And it's just not one of those jobs that was desired. I was trying to think about what would it be compared to today. I think probably a comparison would be people who work in the agricultural industry in the harvest. Now, North Carolina a couple of years ago had 500,000 people out of work 
at 6,500 farm jobs available, 268 of the unemployed applied, 163 started working, and seven remained the whole season. (laughs) People don't like that kind of work, right? But look here. We've got these uh, people who are working out in the rain in Kings, California. And the majority are illegitimate in terms of uh, immigrant. They're, uh, they're legal immigrants. And so we think, well, is that like the shepherds? Well, yeah, I mean, the shepherds were just known as people you couldn't trust. And I'm not saying anything about illegal immigration but the point is that Jesus loves everybody, right? And, and we all get ourselves caught in a jam sometimes and it's such a complex issue. But the day that Jesus came, I, I think he would come to these guys. Luke 2, 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, there's only three named angels in this scripture. You have Lucifer, who became Satan, the highest created being. And then you have Michael, the archangel, the position he had. And remember him in Daniel 9, battling uh, with the demons. And he didn't get to Daniel as soon as he wanted because he had this spiritual battle going on. That's still happening today, friends. Uh, in, in our world. And then there was Gabriel. Now, Gabriel wasn't called an archangel. I mean, the Jews have seven archangels, so I don't know. But again, but he was a very important angel because he had been given the responsibility to tell the key characters in the Christmas story that Jesus Christ was born. So, an angel of the Lord, probably Gabriel, not sure, appeared to them. It's always interesting that whenever an angel appears, whenever Jesus Christ presents himself, people freak out. I mean, you see it, Isaiah, when God was before him, boom, curse me, I'm dead. Why is that? Well, when they're in front of deity, they... They sense the holiness there and how unholy they are. We see other illustrations. Uh, We think of John, the apostle, in Revelation. And when Jesus appeared uh, to him, he just collapsed. And you know what? Each of us would do the same thing. Because God is transcendent. God, you, you can't understand who God is. I mean, we'll do our best as God guides us into His Word, but it's just immense and beyond our abilities. And then it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, this is very interesting. I have, of course, studied this story for all my life and taught on it and gave messages on it. But God really just kind of made this particular statement fly off the page. The glory of the Lord shone around them. 
So, so what is this glory? It's actually the Shekinah glory. The glory of God Himself. So who was there that night? Angels and shepherds. And God was, was physically seen. Now you see, God doesn't have a body. He manifests Himself in different ways. Uh, you think about the Garden of Eden, you know. Adam and Eve hanging out with God. What did He look like? Well, we don't know, but He might have been like a pillar of fire. He might have been a cloud. The, the thing that continues to come uh, through these passages is that it's light. Intense light that again gives off heat. Think about Moses. He said, Lord, let me see you. And he said, well, I can only show a portion of you. Because if he saw all of God, he'd be incinerated. So he put him in a cleft of a rock. And he just passed by him his backside. And that's all that Moses saw. But that lit Moses up like a Christmas tree <laughs> for quite a while, right? Yeah, he carried that around uh, with him, the glory of the Lord. Uh, we think of other people who have experienced the glory of the Lord. We think of the tabernacle, right? Uh, where they worshipped. And the, the Shekinah glory, Shekinah is not in the Bible, uh, but it fits uh, the original language. Uh, this kind of glory comes down into the Holy of Holies, right? That's where God's presence was, presence was throughout the Old Testament. And, and then when the temple was built, again, the glory of God. And then the glory of God left when the Israelites were in rebellion. So... It had been 400 years between the New Testament writings and what happened when Jesus came to this earth. God had been silent for 400 years. Never had there been a time like that. God always had a prophet. He always had a spokesman. He was always communicating uh, with His people. And it's time... It's time for the big announcement. And God Himself shows up. He's there. I think they were freaking out more about the glory of God than they were the angel. Even though the angel said it appeared, which meant it came near. You know, We always see these pictures and everybody's flying and singing and that kind of thing. But who knows? Maybe that angel just ran in a circle and the angel showed up. Hey. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that would be terrifying. Uh, but I think really the glory of God was the thing that impressed them the most. The thing that made them feel so terrified. But God was going to be physically present as this unbelievable announcement took place. Because it was the greatest announcement in the history of the world. And the angel said to them, fear not, fear not. We tend to fear a lot, don't we? Anxiety and fear of the future. And in fact, in Scripture, the idea of do not be afraid or fear not is mentioned 365 times. 365 times. 
Do you think God knows that we have a problem with fear? Oh, yes, yes. Remember Joshua going up to take on his new role uh, in the promised land? And God kept saying, be courageous, because Joshua was shaking in his boots. (laughs) Imminent death, he was thinking of, I don't know. But again, if you're fearful, you're normal. But that's the amazing thing about a relationship with Christ. You can't control a situation, but God can. God can change people. God can change circumstances. God can change attitudes. And that's why prayer is so important. So I bring you good news of great joy. Not thinking you're like, when was the last time you had good news and it was so good, it just filled your whole, holy, your whole spirit up with joy. You think of anything? How about those cubs, huh? I mean, really. When I think about my own life in terms of when was the last time I just really was amazed, it was when the Cubs won the World Series because we had been waiting for it so long and it seemed to be impossible. And then all of a sudden, boom, in the seventh game, they were champions. Yeah, well, I'll remember that and how wonderful that was. But think about how minuscule the Cubs' win of the World Series is in relationship to God. In relationship to Him showing up with this incredible news of salvation. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now friends, this is the good news. This is what brings joy. I make a good song for unto you. I'm not sure. But the point is, is that the angels, or the angel that is, was telling them something they understood. Everybody knew what the city of David was. That was Bethlehem. So prophecy fulfilled. And then... A Savior who is Christ. Christ, that's the word for Messiah in the New Testament. The appointed one. And then, Lord. Lord. That's the word for Master, but it's capitalized, which means what? He was deity. Now, that's some kind of message, right? Telling people, been taught... Their old tradition, all the history of Israel. And now, Jesus Christ is coming to save us. Jesus Christ is our Messiah. I mean, no wonder these guys were so excited. I, I believe they were Christ, well, they were God fearers, and uh, they were ready for this message because they wouldn't have been so excited about it. He's our Savior. Has anybody saved your life before? I can remember back and, oh, a little guy and he's going to a Camp Good News. Anybody heard of Camp Good News down in Illinois? Okay, yeah. I didn't think it was a popular camp. Um, (laughs) uh, 
Yeah, and we went to a public pool, and, you know, I was trying to swim, and I got into the deep end, and boom, the lifeguard jumped in, picked me up, did CPR, and I was okay. But if it wasn't for that lifeguard, I would be dead today. Because there's so much activity in a pool, and sink to the bottom. Have you ever had that experience where, where somebody has actually saved your life? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. Okay, yeah, quite a few. I mean, that really makes you wake up, right? Like, wow. And, and you're especially grateful to that person who saved your life. So when we talk about Jesus Christ as a Savior, what are we talking about? Well, We talk about the area of who we are as people. Again, Adam and Eve sin, and that sinful nature has been passed down. So when we are are birthed, uh, we are sinners at birth. We've got rebellious and stubborn hearts because that's been passed down through the generations. And yeah, we can be a lot of trouble. It's really been troubling to watch all of the different um, moguls, entertainment people, and other people being accused of sexual assault. I mean, it's kind of like, wow. I mean, Bill Cosby a couple years ago, and now there's just a, a slew of them. And you can know there's a lot of guys that are shaking in their boots right now, right? A lot of guys, friends. This is just the tip of the iceberg. In Hollywood, that was that was part of the industry, right? Who'd you sleep with to get this part? And finally, it's being called out. It's sexual assault. And, and so many brave women have come forward to say, this can no longer be. We're going to put a stop to this. And by doing that, they toppled to the most powerful men. In America. But you know, it really shouldn't surprise us that much because let's say you have a Matt Lauer. I don't know if he was a Christ follower. Uh, let's say he's not. Uh, he was born with a rebellious, sinful nature and he was getting everything that he wanted and sex was something that guys is interested. So why not? Well, of course, that's wrong. But again, it shouldn't surprise us because that's how so many people act out. Sometimes in very significant ways with murder and rape and and those type of things. I mean, they don't have Jesus. So, they're going to follow their desires. And again, all of us, we could have gone a different direction if Jesus Christ had not come into our lives and paid the penalty for our sin. What's the penalty for sin? The penalty for sin is eternal punishment in hell. Described as fire, described as uh, being all alone, painful. I don't know if those are metaphors or it's true, but that's what it says in Scripture. And, And that's the penalty of sin. And like, wow, that's worse than being in jail all your life, right? I mean, eternity... And it's a hard thing for people to accept, and many people don't believe in it because they just can't accept it. 
But friends, it is the truth. And Jesus Christ came down because the Father wanted Him to pay the penalty for our sin on the cross. That's the only way it could be done through a God-man, a God who was perfect and a man who fulfilled all of the law. And He hung there and he, all of our sins were put upon Him. It's interesting that the glory of the Lord wasn't there, right? Now, God was there, obviously. Uh, Lord, Lord, why you forsake me? Um, yeah, but that's what Jesus did for us so we wouldn't have to experience that type of punishment in order that we might go to heaven with Him. And that is the main message of Scripture about Christmas. Jesus Christ as Lord has come to be your Savior from sin. Forget the wise men, forget the shepherds, forget the manger, forget all those different details. The main message is that Jesus Christ, the Lord, has come to pay the penalty for your sin. He is a Savior. He's a Savior. When He dies for your sins, just like you being on the cross, He died instead of you. And so many times we as Christians who've been you know, with the Lord for a long time, it's, it's, it's easy to lose that freshness. I was uh, looking on YouTube last night, and I was looking at uh, the California wildfires. I, I mean, oh, I mean, this is really, really bad. I mean, you know, always have the Santa Ana winds, you know, blowing things everywhere. But this is the third largest wildfire in different places in California's history. Now, that's saying something, because they have fires every year, right? I mean, it's just devastating to see these people who've lost their houses. And I came upon... Uh, this next video I'd like you to watch. I saw that already. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it did go viral. <laughs> Again, a very courageous thing to do to see a rabbit and pull over to the side and jump out because you know the rabbit was in danger and to save the rabbit. Now, again, that's all good. Yeah, I'm glad he did that. But, friends, we're not talking about saving rabbits here. We're talking about God using us to save people. To get the good news out that they don't have to face the punishment. That they can accept what God has given them. They can be a Christ follower. Their lives can be transformed. I mean, that is the best news. But for some reason, the church is asleep. 
The church is asleep. We've got all kinds of reasons why we won't do it. I don't have the gift or be uncomfortable. But that's your mission. You should be doing it on a regular basis. Now, I know you just kind of have to work through it and study it, and we're seeking to encourage you in this way. But that is the message that people have to hear. And we need to be as creative as possible and pour all of our energy into seeing people make that decision, having God use us in that way. You know, I think about my own life and I make two, two great decisions. One decision was to become a Christ follower when I was five years old. And the second was marrying my wife, Lori, on December 17th, 1988. I got it right. Yeah. Yeah. 29 years. This lady should get a halo. She really should. I mean, she's been so patient with me, so loving. I mean, I really... I've experienced a type of unconditional love from her that I don't know if I would get from other people. And thank you, babe. It's a real gift. And I could go on and on about how much I love her and treasure her and how she's helped me grow in life. But that's one decision. The biggest decision is what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Him? Well, if He's changed your life, you have to tell people about it. You have to tell people that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you just the way you are, and and you don't bring anything to the table. My favorite question is, uh, do you think you go to heaven tonight? And right away, they'll either say, well, I don't think so, or I'm not sure, or yes, based upon how they feel about themselves and, and their behavior and right now. Right away, I know, okay, this person doesn't know the Lord. Now, if they come and say, well, I'm trusting in Christ's work, that's great. That's great. But so many people in this area struggle with this. And you know why? It's because of pride. It's pride. So many people are saying, I want to help you. I want to help you with this. I want to help you with your finances. I want to help you around the house I want to serve you. But when it comes back the other way, they say, no, I don't need anybody's help. Because I can do it on my own. That's pure pride. That keeps many people from the good news of Jesus. There are probably some of you here today who have attended Springbrook for a period of time. And still, you're not willing to let go. You're always thinking, okay, I've got to keep this spiritual light going. Because I have to be good enough for God. And it is wrong. It is a lie from Satan. And so I'm asking you today, if you fit that category, if you would say, God, I need you. I cannot handle life on my own. I want to depend upon you. I want to walk with you. And even for Christians who have made that decision, 
they live their life like they're not dependent on God. They just kind of go through life on their own. They don't want any help. They don't want to you know, be close to Jesus or anything like that. <laughs> That's not true, right? Sometimes people make the faith commitment, but it doesn't take, one might say, because they go off living their old life. And so just because a person has prayed the prayer doesn't necessarily mean they're a Christ follower. You want to assume that and you want to help them to grow, but I've seen so many people come to Christ it's like the, uh, the seeds on the thorny soil. It just doesn't take. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be what? You'll be what? Yeah. It's interesting how the church... Now, some churches move away from that type of language of saved. Because when you use the word saved, you've got to say, what am I saved from? Well, eternal punishment. Oh, we don't want to talk about that. People might get turned off. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's the point, isn't it? You need to know that you need to be saved in order to be saved. If you're drowning, people come out to get you and say, no, I can do it, I can do it. It's a lot of people's lives. They keep fighting till the end. Sadly enough. And again, this is the mission of our church. This is what keeps us going, no matter what life throws at us. Because we know this is the greatest thing. And it's, it's interesting because as you become a Christ follower, and again, as you go throughout life, you're going to experience Tremendous amounts of pain. You experience betrayal. You experience people treating you very badly. But the difference is that if you're a Christ follower, you know this is just the warm-up game, right? And we're going to heaven someday. And I just love to talk to people who are struggling with serious illnesses. And they said, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Friends, just look around your neighborhood today. Uh, Make a list of all the people that you have contact with who you know probably aren't going to heaven because they have not said they need Jesus. And those are the people you need to influence. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. You just confess that you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. God, I've got nothing. I need you. I don't get any credit for this. In all my life, I've been looking for credit from so many different individuals, so many different organizations to say that I'm worthy. But I'm not worthy, Lord. You're the one who makes me worthy. This is the prayer, a sample prayer that one might use. 
and becoming a Christ follower contains the biblical principles. And if you're here today and the Holy Spirit has been wrestling with you and you basically said, I don't need you, whether you be a non-Christ follower or whether you be a Christ follower. Again, with a Christ follower, that's the biggest barrier. I don't want to admit that I have been made, that I can't do it on my own. And it's just making your life miserable because you refuse to submit to Christ. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Jesus Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sins. That's the saving part. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you alone and not my good works. I know that Jesus is Lord of all and I will follow him. So, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and say, yeah, it's time now. Whether, again, you be a Christ follower or not a Christ follower, if pride has taken over your heart, what a beautiful Christmas present to give to God. And that is repentance. So we're going to read this together. And again, this is a faith commitment prayer that applies to people who are becoming Christians for the first time. But for those of you who are struggling with pride and you've boxed God out, you can pray it maybe in a different way. Let's pray. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Jesus Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sins. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you alone and not my good works. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. Lord, I just want to thank you for those who've made this decision today. You don't have to make it once. Uh, But again, thank you for those who have who said, I need you, Lord. I need to submit to you. I need the salvation that you offer. In Christ's name, amen. If you did that, can you do me a favor? Can you take your welcome slip that you'll put in the offering and just write decision, write decision and circle it? Because we would love just to come alongside you to whatever degree you would like to encourage you in your newfound faith. Verse 12, and this will be a sign, the angel said, for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That's a pretty good sign. No responsible, loving parent would put their child in a feeding trough. Are we all good on that? (laughs) Let's save some money. Let's go pick up a feeding trough, you know, not a farm inflation. So they knew what they were looking for. They kept asking around, have you seen a baby in a feeding trough? (laughs) We're looking for that kind of baby. And finally they found him. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, ten thousands upon ten thousands upon ten thousands, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, that's happened to us. So we need to say that glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Let's say it together. Say it with energy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth 
peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen and amen and amen. That is a Christmas message. Jesus came to save. Amen. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Well, yeah, of course we want to check it out. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You think those shepherds were running? I think so. They were doing everything they could to get to that manger. When they saw it, when they saw the baby, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So what they, they told people. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds saw. I mean, imagine all these babbling shepherds. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, we saw the Messiah. He's a baby. He's a baby. And they're going, what? <laughs> but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. For all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. So I want to give you some ideas for applications here. And grab one you think would fit you. But one thing is just to be in an incredibly thankful mood this, this week. You know, put something up that will remind you. Jesus paid the price. Jesus humbled himself and became a man. And that's why Christmas is so exciting. Or maybe you put something on Facebook, put something on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you hang out, and, and speak to your faith in Christ. I love Christmas because it reminds me that Jesus Christ saved me from the penalty of my sins. Could you do that? Would you feel uncomfortable in doing that because of all your friends out there? Well, you should pray about it. You should pray about it. Or if you're at your family gathering uh, next weekend. Let me read the Christmas story at the family gathering. Anybody there? Yeah, well, you should do it. Oh, that should always be part of a family gathering. To read the Christmas story. And then you can kind of speak to the passage. You know, say something about it. How many of you go around and say what? I'm thankful for this year. Anybody do that at Christmas time? There's another great tradition. And you can say, I am thankful. You don't have to yell it. I am thankful. <laughs> that would freak people out, okay? I'm thankful that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Yeah. When was the last time you testified to what God has done and is doing in your life? And with most of us, it's probably way too long. Think of creative ways to let people know of how Jesus Christ has saved you. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank You for speaking today. Thank You Reminding us all of what Christmas really is all about. You were there with the angels. You were there with the shepherds. The glory of the Lord. Because this was the greatest news ever proclaimed in history.
And you wanted to be right in the middle of it. Lord, we're weak. We fail. And Lord, I pray you'd give us the boldness and the energy to step outside of our comfort zone and tell somebody what Jesus has done for me. In Christ's name, amen.